Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Welcome to the Movers Mindset Podcast, where I talk with movement enthusiasts to find out who they are, what they do, and why they do it. My guest today is Josh Nyer. Welcome, Josh. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm, as I say to everybody, I'm excited, but doubly excited because I was like, how have I never talked to Josh with microphones before? But we'll circle back to that. Before we get started, uh, the last few episodes, I've been mentioning the Move NYC event. What's that? You've already got your tickets? Oh, okay. You can skip ahead. Otherwise, on the weekend that is May 27th through the 29th, Josh will be at the Move NYC event in Manhattan. Move NYC was imagined into existence by the Movement Creative. For information and tickets, run to their website, themovementcreative.com, and click precisely on Move NYC at the top. So there's that. <clears throat> anyway, back to Josh. I was saying we've been like, you know, a couple of events <laughs> together. Uh, I, I, I was going to say we train in the same community, but quite honestly, you are one of the people who started the community where I fell into, see what I did there, fell into parkour. <laughs> um, so I, we've trained like 67 Sundays to Christmas and back. And it's been super fun to see, uh, like every coach has their own fingerprint, um, but it's super fun to see you get a chance to teach because um, I, I don't want to say you light up the room because that's kind of dorky, but but you have this fun way of of like really being honestly energetic about what you're teaching. Uh, and your session has, I don't want to give away too much. People need to go buy their tickets. Uh, but your session has the word soft in the title. Softness plays into the title. And I've, I was trying to jog my memory and I believe I've seen you do sessions on that. I'm not sure that I've been in them, <laughs> which maybe I should. <laughs> but I'm, my first thought is when somebody has something that is less common like that, I think, was there something that you've seen in your past? Like, did you see someone move with what you thought was softness? Or was there something like, what is it about softness in movement that hooks your attention? Uh, yeah. So surprisingly, uh, I actually was never a very soft mover. Uh, I actually pretty much was always a very power hungry, very like, how far can I jump? How big of a movement can I do? Because that was always, you know, what caught the attention. But then what ended up happening is that I would look up and I think it was, um, oh, what is his name? Min um, from Germany. And I watched one of his videos and he was just such a beautiful mover, doing everything so elegantly, doing his flips, doing his other tricks. But, you know, his video audio was just him moving and it was just so quiet. Mm -hmm. And I was just so fascinated by it. And uh, he actually had the opportunity to come to Pennsylvania and train with us. And he ran a session and I just watched him move even more. And that's where I just like kept diving deeper into this idea of, well, why is he able to do this movement so quietly? Because, you know, the way I think of it is softness is just how much force your body is taking. And me being an engineer, I love the idea of, you know, calculating things and finding out how much force something takes, how much can it take? What's the biomechanics that we can follow and what we shouldn't follow? Uh, and of course, of all of those reasons, I dove pretty deep into the idea of let's actually do the numbers. I broke out my calculator and wrote out like, how heavy am I? How far can I drop? And how am I able to do these things without breaking my body every single day? And eventually I was able to say, wow, I was doing these movements actually slightly incorrect. Yeah, I can do the movement, but I'm not utilizing my body to its fullest extent yet. 
And are there like common, I don't want to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. So give it to me in three words, but are there <laughs> common things that people do wrong? Like, uh, you know, like my assumption would be, oh, if I want to be moving more quietly, then I should just get stronger because then I'd be more comfortable when I'm moving. Like that's actually literally, literally a train of thought that Craig has. Craig is not a quiet mover. If you've yeah. never trained with me, <laughs> Josh has, um, but are there other, like really like that to me seems that's probably wrong. Are there like things that we generally get wrong that we could at least look at? Uh, yeah. So the main three that I've tried to simplify it down to, and to be honest, you're going to hear it from any parkour coach. Um, first one is repetition. I mean, you hear it all the time. You got to practice your movement until it's muscle memory. But the real reason why we want it to be muscle memory is because of, uh, something I actually dove pretty deep into, which was ground reaction time. So it's the way I like to describe it is the signal in which the our feet making contact with the ground, sending up to our brain, which happens at about half the time it takes for you to blink. Uh, so it's 0.15 seconds. And then for you to retranslate a message back to your feet to start or your muscles to start doing something. The problem with that is, is if your brain's still trying to figure out what to do, <laughs> that signal is delayed. And because of all that, you know, there's this like jolt almost that ends up happening. And that jolt mm. is what causes that initial slap, that slap of the shoes or the feet hitting the ground in some way, shape or form. And because of all that, you know, you're making a lot more noise than you ever need to because your body is not reacting the way you need to train it to. And it doesn't take big, big drops to do that. Just hundreds of small drops or jumps or any type of other movement even just placing your hand down for a step vault or a safety vault, depending on where in the world you are, um, just a, a few hundreds of just reaching your hand out and knowing where it is to then be able to get it to be that muscle memory. So that's mm. usually the first one is the repetition. The second one, well, it is it is strength. Um, it, it is you do need to be strong enough to be able to do certain things. Um, so this also then came down to the numbers. So this is where I sat down. and I was like, OK. How much force does a human being take when they drop? So uh, for fun, uh, I actually wrote out a couple equations here for anyone who has paper and pen. If not, it's okay. Uh, so let's say if someone's taking a two meter drop, uh, six and a half feet, give or take, uh, and they weigh about 185 pounds, that amount of force is equivalent to 1200 foot pounds of force. So and for those who go by a different uh, unit, that's 1,600 joules. Uh, that's a lot of force. I don't know if anyone's going to the gym and squatting 1,200 pounds, but somehow <laughs> we're able to do this. Dissipate uh, that. It goes somewhere. It goes somewhere. And the first one is the classic. You just bend your legs. Like This is the situation if you just locked your knees out, as all of us <laughs> hopefully cringed a little bit. Um that that's pretty much what happened. Everybody knows you drop two meters and you lock your knees, lock your body. Something bad's going to happen. Something's going to break. So the second part of it is, of course, you got to go through the range of motion. But the secret is distance. Or what I like to tell my students is we're going to start time traveling now. Because if we can take force and divide it out through distance or time, that ability for us to take that force divides it out so far that it just dissipates it down to something that's very manageable for all of us. Hmm. So um, classic movement we all do is roll. Okay. Now, I don't know about you guys, but you don't roll, learn a roll in the first day. You don't, it, 
takes hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rolls for it to be perfect. So it comes back to that, of course, repetition part of it. But does anybody like really look at why or what direction we roll? Do we just roll down our spine? No, we already know that doesn't work. Um, <laughs> Maybe the first time. <laughs> yeah, Maybe that first once. <laughs> and then at the same time, why does a hot dog roll not work? Um, the right. classic sideways. The main reason is the roll from hand down elbow, shoulder across to the other hip and off to the opposite foot. The reason that works is because it literally is the longest distance our body can have. And because of that distance, you've now dissipated all of that 1200 pounds of force over, I don't know, let's call this person like uh, five, 10, six feet tall, whatever it might be uh, over like seven feet. And now you've been able to dissipate this down to just maybe a a hundred or 200 pounds of force that they're really taking. And it's, it's amazing. So it's the same way that you can walk on hot coals and not burn your feet. You're, you're taking that, that heat, let's call it just energy and you're dissipating it as you're walking and you're that small part of your foot touching that hot coal is only a split second, which is why we're able to roll because that split second of force doesn't really ever happen. Yeah, or, manageable in each muscle. Yeah. So, uh, so that yeah, exactly, we don't need just our quads to be able to take the 1200 pounds of force, but we can have the rest of our body help dissipate all of it. So, so yeah, there is of course that strength element. There's that repetition part of it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I guess those, are the, those are the big two, to be honest. But I, it, it points to mindfulness. Like it's one thing to say, I'm gonna do a bunch of squats. And then it's another thing to say, I'm going to do squats. I'm going to pay attention to <clears throat> how much strength I have. Well, you know, when you first begin squatting, yeah, okay, that's fine. But how much strength do I have down at the very bottom? Like, can I make the squat go really slow or do as mine do at the very bottom? I kind of collapse into the hunter's squat onto the balls of my feet and sort of drop into resting on, on uh, my glutes laying on the back of my ankles. And that's an opportunity to be like, whoa, that's drastically weaker than like my mid-range power. Um, and I, I like how you point out about ground reaction time because it it makes you, um, I'm having flashbacks to having once tried six feet drop on the concrete and it was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's high enough that I had time to go, yeah, I have mistakes were made, you know, and like if I'm still waiting for the ground, you know, it's a long way to go. Um, but your, your point about the ground reaction and the time to respond is if you're prepared for the first, you know, like landing feelers to just touch the ground, that might give you, you know, four more inches, you know, that I got my, my quads engaged. Um, so I, I really think you're onto something, um, about obviously about, you know, that can, that thinking about that softness can lead you to being mindful of reps of repetition. Um, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not cutting you off. Yeah, no. Uh, I honestly, what I'll do is, uh, I'll also train with my eyes closed so that it's, yeah, I'm taking those drops, you know, we're talking like a foot, maybe two feet at tops so that my brain is literally looking for that as opposed to Mm -hmm. relying on other senses. So if I'm relying on my sight to tell me when I'm about to take an impact, the moment I go outside when it's dark out to train, and I don't have that to be 100%. Now my landings don't exist anymore. So uh, I'll rely on these other senses to hopefully, you know, pick up where I take away one of them. Um, and and 
to be honest, you know, you hear about it all the time. Those people who take away one sense, all the others pick up a little bit more. And that is very true with my training. I'll train eyes closed as much as possible. And that helps me fix a lot of my, my hard landings mm-hmm. issues. Uh, and of course my fluidity it also makes me not be able to see myself. So I don't have to see how uh, rigid I am with my movement. <laughs> I hate for every once in a while I shoot a video like, oh, I'm trying to do a con, take a video. I was like, oh my God, delete that and delete yeah. it out of the deleted pile. You know, like not even wait 30 days. That has to go yeah. now. Uh, I, I'm wondering about, um, without starting a holy war <laughs> about yeah. shoes, I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on, um, I personally don't like a lot of padding in shoes. So the shoes that I love most, which they no longer make, I pull yeah. the insoles out and just run around on a couple millimeters of rubber. But I do actually carry the insoles with me when I'm traveling or I know I'll be out for days and I'll slip them in because I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to bring some padding in here because this is going to be a long day. But when I go running normally, which isn't often, I take them out. Um, and I'm just wondering if you have any other thoughts on like, I mean, I don't want to like preach to the choir, but you know, marshmallow shoes are bad. <laughs> and I, I'm just thinking, cause your point about ground reaction plays right into that. Like if you try some small drops barefoot, you get a whole new world uh, about that. When do you actually feel the ground? Cause you can actually feel it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I think you've actually way back in the old days, uh, taken a few of my, you know, uh, shoeless classes where we go barefoot, we we run. Probably we, the first place I ever did anything barefoot in parkour was some yeah. crazy thing with you on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. So, and that was during a time period where I spent. Um, I think it was Austin and I. We both spent as much time uh, during that summertime barefoot uh, training and pushing ourselves to, you know, how much can we actually train getting back to a sense of normality without shoes that we would if we did have shoes, but. Mm-hmm. The with shoes uh, conversation is, to be honest, it's so, so polarized. You either really love the thicker shoes or you don't. And I personally have always stuck to the thinner shoes only because uh, I actually started with thicker shoes when I first started training. And I noticed myself twisting my ankles, getting a lot of twisted ankles, whether it's uh, we call Mm. them quakeways or uh, whatever it might be. Just like, ow, that really hurt. Now I got to sit out for 10, 15, 20 minutes just so I can get back uh, whatever strength I have, or maybe I have to call it a day. Hmm. So that extra height was a disadvantage for me in the earlier parts. Now we can also argue that my, my muscles were not strong enough at the time in my ankles, but at the same time, you know, all that extra lift took away my ability to feel. And then when I was landing, I lost my mechanical alignment uh, of just now my ankles twist one way or another and it's game over. So, mm. but I would definitely say I like the softer, I, I'm sorry. I like the thinner shoes, but I still like to have a soft rubber, which means I wear through them a little quicker. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good point. I'm like, I like barefoot. I try to be barefoot as much as I can just during the day normally, but you know, when it gets rainy, metal railings get slippery and cold and, and like it, you know, I, I don't, um, horrible visual. I don't do parkour naked because I like not to get sunburner. I like to be warm or, yeah. Um, so there's, you know, I'm definitely a tool user, like all people are. So I definitely believe, you know, the right shoe for the, for the job. I think it's just a question of being intentional about what you choose. Like, you know, I like this rubber. It, it sticks really nice. Sticks better than my feet would stick to things. So I'm going to go with that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I know, um, there's a Jiho 
from Korea. Uh, amazing mover. Um, super duper soft with his jumps. And he does massive jumps all the time. He's an individual that I would probably put in the category of uh, he has such quiet movement with such thick soles, not because of the soles, of course, but he he doesn't then have to react as much when he does those gigantic jumps. Um, I, I'm not specific. I don't know exactly what shoes he wears, but uh, he has such amazing uh, fluidity mm, and it power. clearly works, right? Yes. <laughs> so he, he's the opposite side of the spectrum where he has a little bit of a thicker type of shoe and I honestly think if I was doing a lot more massive jumps on a regular basis, I probably also would, you know, pick much larger shoes. But, uh, you know, he he does it. He makes it look amazing. He makes it very smooth. Uh, he also, I'm sure, has a great training routine that, you know, he's built up to over time. So, yeah, but, I'm kind of thinking like wearing a helmet generally would increase my safety. But it's kind of really important on high speed drag racing, you know, because yeah. like the chances of needing the helmet go up. So it, it's, it sounds to me like it's, um, if one is intentional about, yes, I'm going to be doing, you know, these things, I'm going to wear, you know, these protect, these particular shoes, or I'm doing this activity, I'm wearing a helmet, I'm doing that activity, I'm going to put gloves on or whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, what do you want to talk about in the last few minutes? You want to talk about engineering? You want to talk about, parkour uh, obstacles i probably could get uh, about an hour and a half out of you about building parkour oh obstacles. yeah um maybe the few let's see um what is it about like a lot of people build parkour obstacles but you you're like definitely in the creme de la creme you're like in the top of the echelon um, yeah but what is it what what itch does that scratch for you creating obstacles yeah so it comes from two different areas uh my grandfather he worked at bethlehem steel um a local um, you know, business that was back in the, you know, early sixties and seventies, uh, that shut down uh, amazing for their carpentry work. And he taught me everything about carpentry. Um, and I, I value those lessons so, so much. So, mm. um, I'm always constantly innovating and creating and building stuff with my hands. I, I can't stop even if I tried. And, uh, <laughs> with that, you know, the engineering degree, allowed me to now, you know, use softwares and stuff and bring my imagination to a canvas. Um, you know, some people paint, some people uh, draw, some people write. Uh, I can't do any of those things, but I do love designing. And um, I actually just started uh, this past uh, two weeks, a new engineering role. I'm a lead engineer uh, at a local company now who does amazing things where we create technology for uh, the Department of Defense. And they just literally handed me the reins and they're like, you know what, just design, run with it, you know, just meet their needs and we're happy with it. So uh, I literally am just always loving the idea of how can I solve a problem, but in my own way and go, thinking outside of the box. So no uh, pun intended. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so whenever I've actually designed a lot of parkour gyms throughout the country up to this point. Uh, people have the option through Parkour Generations Americas to reach out and say, hey, I want to design. You know, I'm handing you guys the reins. Here's my space. Here's an empty canvas. Build me something. And mm -hmm. I always tell people or I always ask them, I should say, right from the beginning, give me a scale of one to ten. How complicated you want it to be? Because I can give you a, a one, which is like, here's a box and a box and a box. And, you know, any dad, Zen, with a hammer, yeah. any dad with a hammer can build it. And then I say there's a 10, which is you've given me the reins and I will tell you how to build it. I will give you the blueprints. But you know what? 
you know, it's going to take a really <laughs> skilled, you know, uh, carpenter to be able to really put this together. So uh, no one's taken a 10 yet. The highest I've gotten is a four. Uh, so one day, if someone is listening and they really want a, a parkour gym, you know, at a 10, I'm always happy to go that route. Um, Reach out. Yeah. Cool. But but at this point, it's just I love the idea of just building, creating, and you know, I double reinforce, I over engineer something so that it never has just one purpose. Uh, if you ever come to our gym, every object in that place has been flipped around twice, three times, and has been used eight different ways because um, whenever I build it, it is structurally strong in every single way. So that everybody stay safe. Clearly. Clearly scratching a creative itch for you. Yeah. <laughs> right up your engineering alley and also creative. All right, Josh. Well, <clears throat> I'm just watching our time tick away. I, I think I will just say, and of course, the final question, three words to describe your practice. Yeah. Um, I mean, whether it comes to uh, when I build something or specifically the, the session I'm going to be running at NYC is uh, longevity repetition and purpose. Nice. I'm scribbling. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, Josh, it was a pleasure to finally get a chance to sit down and talk. I was almost thinking, you know, we could, uh, well, it's easier to do it over the internet. I'm like, you're not that far away. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, it was a pleasure to talk to you. I'm looking forward to getting a chance to jam a little bit. There's a couple of um, coaches sessions that we get to play in. And I'll see you in a couple of weeks. And I hope everybody else gets a chance to catch your session as well. Thanks, Josh. Yep. Thank you.